0: Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, the AI for sales expert and CEO of ScaleX.ai, and I'm excited to have with me today Ben Sims, our special guest, also the Vice President of Client Services at MarketSource. Did I get that title right?
1: You did, on the B2B side of MarketSource. So thank you, Chad, for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks for being here. I know I've had a lot of really, really great conversations with Ben over the past several months. And um, I'm excited to have him share some of his insights and knowledge about AI for sales. And I think you're in for a real treat. So if you're not familiar with the sales expert channel, this is it. There will be some downloads that you can do right underneath the presentation today. So check out the attachments button. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the sales expert channel, it's completely free. So go ahead and do that. And we hope to have you back on more of our sessions in the future. I'm also going to be publishing this on the AI for Sales podcast through the C-Suite Network. So if you're not familiar with ScaleX and the AI for Sales book, this is what we just put out at the end of last year. We interviewed over 21 leaders of companies, people like and uh, like Henry Shuck, people from Discover.org, who's the CEO, you're familiar with him, right, Ben?
1: Yep, we use their Zam and Zoom info. Now that they merged, we use both products.
0: Absolutely, uh, people like Roy from Chorus, and uh, a lot of really, really interesting AI-powered technology. So, if you don't have the book, check it out. Like I said, this is going to be broadcast on the AI for Sales podcast starting in March, and here we go. So, the technology landscape has changed so much. There must be thousands of different providers in the market today. So where do you start? What do you choose? You know, is AI built just for lead generation or is it used in other aspects? That's what we're gonna cover with you today. So let's go ahead and start. We like to get to know you first before we dive into business and brass tacks. Tell us about, you know, what's your name? Who do you work for and where were you born?
1: Yeah, Ben Sims work for Market Source. We are the premier outsourcing, but I like to call it insourcing company. So, um, our brands are tend to be mid market and enterprise logos that you'd recognize. Uh, they bring us in to augment or segment part of their own sales go to market function. So we generate on the B2B side, we generate. Uh, revenue for our clients in any part of the customer life cycle. In other words, we're hired sometimes to do lead gen and throw the leads over to our clients for them to close. Sometimes we take leads from them and do quote to close ourselves. And sometimes we manage current accounts and do customer success to grow revenue. And we work in direct channels, indirect channels, field sales, inside sales. So that's a snapshot of what we do. Uh, Allows me to literally, you know, work for dozens of sales teams and have a conversation about uh, different industries and segments and verticals literally every hour of the day. So I love my job. I love my teams and I love my clients. I'm very blessed. Uh, Where was I born? Dodge city, Kansas, home of the OK corral, believe it or not.
0: Wow. No kidding. And the Kansas city chiefs, I guess, or is that not true? Because the president, I think got it wrong on his tweet and actually said it was Kansas <laughs> City, right. Kansas, and it's Missouri. So I won't make that mistake here.
1: No, Do- so I'm from Dodge City. I was born in Dodge City, middle of nowhere, uh, Kansas, um, and, uh, you know, home of the rough days of the Cowboys and, and frontier days. And uh, that might be where I get a little bit of my personality.
0: <laughs> yeah, got the wild, wild west. So, right. so then think about if you go back from, uh, from where you are today, what did you study in college? Where'd you go to school? Yeah. You know, what, Where'd you get your passion of what you're doing today?
1: So born in Dodge City, but grew up in Michigan and went to Western Michigan University for my undergrad uh, in marketing. So I went to the business, Hayworth College of Business there, um, and had a wonderful experience, lifelong friends, and started in the golf industry after that, actually, for six years. And then um, second school was also MBA, so University of Colorado there. I, I received my MBA there. So I always knew I wanted to get in sales from a very early age. So started with a marketing degree and then uh, my advanced degree later.
0: Interesting, I did the same thing, Colorado State undergrad in, uh, in marketing and then MBA in computer information sciences. So very interesting. So now go back to Dodge City, I guess. This is probably before you moved to Michigan. So from yeah. when you're five to two, were you playing Cowboys and Indians? You yeah. know what, what were you doing as a kid that, uh, that really got you passionate about life?
1: So uh, I've always admired my dad and his career. And uh, he, um, he, had, he, he grew his career mostly in television business uh, and TV stations. And um, I'm the oldest. So when, when I was five years old, he was really just getting his career started Uh, certainly was not born with a silver spoon. He started from the ground floor and worked his way up. Um, And his first jobs were as a sports caster and a weatherman. Now he's not a meteorologist. These were in small towns. And so I remember my mom, you know, we would have those rocking horses and in the rocking horse would be like a cylinder, wood cylinder that you hold onto by the ears. She would take that cylinder out, wrap around tinfoil on the top and you and make believe at the microphone and I would walk around pretending I'm dad interviewing people in the neighborhood as if I'm uh, a news you know reporter or whatever so I very much emulated my dad and and admired his career growth Um, he became he's a very successful businessman still is today Um, so that's
0: probably what I was doing at at those ages. That's pretty cool. You know, at ring central, we had a guy named Zach who started as a sports broadcaster for many years. So you can ask him anything about the Denver Broncos and he knows it. Um, and he was able to parlay the, the radio broadcast experience and some TV into his ability to sell. So, um, Hey, I guess you heard it here first. If you're looking to hire a superstar A-player salesperson, maybe you need to look to the broadcast and uh, radio industry. That's,
1: that's exactly what my dad did. He went from being in front of the camera to the sales department, became a, you know, very a great salesman, became sales manager, then became a general manager. So, yeah, that's exactly
0: his Wow. Career. And I love to hear you say you didn't have the silver spoon, nor did I. You have to you can learn, sales is a learned skill, And the number one most important thing, according to Dave Curlin at Objective Management Group, is your desire to be successful in sales. So as long as you want it, you just make it happen.
1: That's right. So that's
0: cool. All right. So let's dig in a little deeper. AI for sales is kind of a hot topic in today's day and age. Yep. How, how would you define it, whether it's you personally or market MarketSource? You know, how do you think of this thing called AI for sales?
1: Yeah, a couple of ways, and it is here. Um, I, I, I agree. It's been talked about, maybe overhyped and even overpromised, but it's here now. I, we're seeing it. So the way I define it and my peers here at MarketSource define it is we look at, uh, when we look at productivity for our reps, we look at red time and green time. Red time are non-sales activities. So, administrative activities you have to do by, you know, updating your CRM, uh, doing research on your accounts. Those are not sales activities. Sales activities are conversations, right? And so, that's green time. So, whenever we're researching technology and making our reps most productive, especially when it comes to AI, is we want AI to reduce the red time away from the reps so that they can spend more green time. Right now, studies say that sales reps are spending, what, 35, 36% of their time in actual sales activities. And I think that's true. Well, AI, we believe, can actually increase those sales activities. You know, a good friend of both yours and mine, Joel Laban, he describes it, and I agree with him, where AI is used for all the hard skills that reps like, uh, are doing such as sending emails, maybe LinkedIn connections, or updating CRM, or doing research, and then what you want your reps using are their soft skills, their human skills, their active listening skills, their communication skills, their relationship building skills, the human-human to interaction. Well, AI should remove the hard skills from the reps' job so that they can use more of their soft skills. So I like how Joel describes it as well. So those are the two ways I describe AI.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Red, red time, green time. It's interesting. I had it on the topic of OMG, right? They've scored millions and millions of salespeople and they use AI to tell you if that salesperson can be successful in your organization and they report in red, yellow, green. So I had a meeting with a, a rep today who's on my team and he's all green. There's a couple of red spots. And so we were able to go in and work in a one-on-one, like one of the red spots was uh, being able to get to an economic buyer in a sales situation. And so that's a skill gap that he had and he recognizes it. There's a couple active deals where he's working with an account executive to take it up to the boss who ultimately takes it up to another boss. And so I think similarly to what you're talking about AI for top of funnel, demand generation, selling motion, getting the right people on the bus in the first place is another area that, that AI can be leveraged.
1: I think that's a great idea.
0: Red, yellow, green. So all right. outside of lead gen, you know, I think a lot of people think of AI. Um, Jim Dickey runs a company that, that monitors AI and they put very highly, lead gen is the, the number one place being deployed. But outside of that, what are some of the other ways that you think of AI as being used? So
1: I think all of us already see it being used at the consumer level for current customers. So if you're an Amazon customer or whatever, you go online, or even if when you visit retail stores today, they have a 360-degree view of you. They know what your past purchases were. They know what your behaviors are, and they know what like customers like you or mirrored customers what they tend, what their behaviors are like, and they'll make the match and they'll say, hey, because you bought this, you, should, you know, others like you have bought that. So that's a, the consumer level. But even when you walk into a retail store, they now have captured that in an AI way where they're like, hey, you know, we have your profile. We've seen what you bought. We're, let's also recommend this, you know, this, these pair of shoes to go with that dress or whatever. Or, um, you know, that's all happening at the consumer level. And then, and, and again, we all know this, what happens in the consumer level ends up being followed in B2B eventually. And again, I believe that we're there in B2B. So in B2B uh, sales, there was actually the reason you want to utilize AI with your current customers. Uh, one, it's, it's, it's a disruptor. In fact, there was a recent survey of global CEOs by Cooper, where they said these CEOs said they're the top 3 disruptors in their industry are one regulation makes sense two competition three customer behavior and ai helps you identify that customer behavior and there was a mckinsey research recently that said organizations that leverage consumer behavioral insights outperform their peers by 85% in revenue and 25% in gross gross margin so um, those, are, those are real statistics that you can use to say, why should we be using AI? So for your current customers, and especially customer success methodology, which ensures that your customers are getting full utilization of what your product offers, you're exceeding their expectations, then if you have a large amount of data, which is very important, and your, your machine starts learning from that, using your customer success model to move you from being descriptive and diagnostic with your accounts to being more predictive on what will happen, when will it happen, when are they likely to need more licenses, when do they need more utilization, when do they need to renew, you know, things like that. Um, when, What activities do they have or even mirrored accounts so that you can be more predictive on knowing when to call them, when to outreach them, how to outreach them, which accounts to outreach. That's where AI is going to help you with your current accounts. We use it today in our CRM where with some of our clients, with some of our programs, where if we see activity such as you know something as simple as a purchase or other activities that the client's making, that will then trigger us to then reach out to them or will know when to reach out to them. So that's not a rep just going through their CRM or database guessing on who to call. That is being predictive on uh, the machine telling them, Hey, you need to call this client now and here's why, or when you should call the client and how you should reach out to them. So uh, using the network of your customers in your data, that's going to allow your customer success teams to predict their behavior, reduce your churn, and improve your product utilization. That's how we're seeing it with the current customers.
0: Nice. Love it. You know, I read an article recently that IBM can predict with the 95% accuracy if an employee is going to leave the business. Wow. And so if you, you know, by just by looking, I'm sure it's email trends, out of office days, you know, there's probably a handful of predictive indicators. And so if they can do that using AI at that simple level then it makes perfect sense if you're looking at all the usage patterns you know we had one customer today who was trying to upload a list into the dialer application that we support and they and it didn't work for one of the reps um now i wish i could say the ai caught that and sent me a notification in this case our customer success rep actually happened to reach out. Hey, how's everything going at the onboarding with our technical team. And then he was able to find that piece of information out. But how amazing would it be that if that signal were a failed list upload instantly tapped me on the shoulder through a text and said, Hey, Bob, you should probably call this customer because they just had a list failure upload. I, I mean that that's pretty cool stuff. So I, yeah. I think you're dead on. Focus on the customer. I think so many companies are top of funnel. The uh, you know the mid funnel, the the conversion rate increase, the cross sell, upsell. There's just so much that can happen in this area.
1: I'm seeing it grow tremendously. So SaaS really pioneered in a way customer success and and uh, in, in a lot of things. They were at the tip of spear. But I'm having lots of conversations in several other industries in an interest in this to grow revenue by reducing your churn, upsell cross-sell, increasing utilization, all of that is uh, is becoming a higher priority and focus for all sorts of industries, not just software.
0: Let's talk elephant in the room just for a second if I could. Um, <laughs> Red red and green, right now reps green 33% of the time or whatever that number you said, which means two-thirds of the time is not green. Yep. Let's just say we go from green one-third to green two-thirds. Does that mean we're going to lose one-third of the sales team or does that mean we're just going to have an economy that's growing even that much faster, right? What impact does it have on headcount?
1: Well, I think it <laughs> – it depends on the industry, depends on the space a little bit. It depends on, um, you got to pay attention on the front end, you have to pay attention to CAC, right? Cost of acquisition. And if you have, um, if you have an opportunity to reduce the CAC, I certainly would recommend it and grow your revenue. So um, you're, t- you're asking a tough question because I do think AI can displace some roles and move some people into other roles. I do think um, AI, though, can also make your current sales team at, at a pretty low expense be more productive. And if they're more productive in increasing revenue, even if you're adding a, an expense of AI into it, but the revenue on the other end actually increases, your CAC goes down. So I think it can be both. I think you can make an investment to increase your ROI that then lowers your CAC, or you can find ways to use AI to replace
0: it. Yeah, uh, yeah, well... Dr. Dover from University of Texas at Dallas is going to be putting out a report. I'll give you the punchline. Um, mm-hmm. He said, you know, he wasn't willing to put it out yet because he needs some validation from LinkedIn and other sources. But I'll give you the high level. The high level data that is out that he talked about in Vegas at an event I went to is that from 2012 to 2017, the SDR BDR role BDR role grew by 500%. That's a lot of people, yep. and In that time, over the last five years from 12 to 17, think about the number of activities by people, right? They're using technologies to make them five times more productive, or Mm -hmm. in some cases, two times more productive. If they're using AI, they might be 10 times more productive, but who's counting, right? Um, (laughs) But over the last two years, he said it's gone from from 17 to 19, 84% increase on top of the 500%. So that's 1,000% growth in less than a decade, seven years. And at what point does that start to top out? And um, I I don't think we'll see an 84% growth this year. I think we'll start to see a little bit of a minus as AI tools do things like send emails that are personalized or respond to a lead that comes to the website, right? Chatbots are here. The email bots are now really creeping up, and if I can program the AI to be more responsive and respond in a way that generates better conversion rates, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on the AI a little more than I've been leaning on a person to handle.
1: The yeah, problems. yep, certainly something to keep an eye on, especially as the uh, AI technology improves and looks more personalized.
0: Yeah, that's right. So. What's your favorite sales technology that people haven't heard of, right? The secret that you've hidden in your drawer. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah, this is,
1: uh, so I am going to pull one out that I doubt many people have heard of. You've been introduced to them. They're good friends of mine. I've been working with them for about two years now. They're a true startup. And that's a company called Demand Matrix. And so the reason I'm bringing them up, if anyone's listening to this, that is in the tech space, especially mid-market and enterprise, they are, they are uh, bringing on some very impressive clients, especially in cloud, but uh, all sorts of technologies. And what they do is they've really, they've really um, <laughs> they're providing these companies with what's called narrow AI, where they can detect the technology data that other companies are licensing or reselling. And when you combine that with pulling in search algorithms, as well as machine learning and recognized growth patterns such as hiring patterns or technology adoption and you combine all that, these are real intense signals that these technology companies can then use to identify when either their current clients are truly ready to buy more of your product or even your competitor's products are in a position to buy your product. Um, so it's used in marketing and sales, of course, but what they have, especially uh, for technology companies, is extremely impressive. It's a hot, hot space right now. They're called Demand Matrix. I'm not sure if they were in your infographic you showed, early, showed earlier, because uh, they're, they're that secret hidden gem for technology companies right now.
0: So it sounds different than a data Datanize or uh, what's the other one, Lead? I can't remember their name now, um, but there's a couple technologies Base, out
1: there. There's, yeah, there's six. Yeah. You know, there's six sensors at Bombora. There's
0: Snowflake. There's, this sounds like kind of the next generation. of yeah. AI powered.
1: You know, the clients that are using them are are seeing very high accuracy rates, a, a very high increase in um, some of their competitors' clients that they didn't already recognize. And certainly uh good intent signals coming in, and so um you know I'm not sure I'm allowed to mention their clients, but they're all brands that you'd recognize and uh, again, if you're in the tech space, you need to pay attention to demand matrix
0: awesome anything else on a personal level, you know what do you have on your phone these days that you that you like
1: um oh i'm on, on my I'm kind of boring with my apps i'm I'm sticking to the same old same old I don't really have anything there for you that i can that sticks out huh. that's a good question you know
0: i'm looking at mine the coolest one i got is this thing <laughs> <laughs> and that was on a cat trip so it's non-ai related but we were making some pretty good noises in the back of the snowcat <laughs> awesome. all right so there's a lot of choices of technology that you can buy as a rep a manager a cro um, you know, I've seen some companies empower salespeople to make decisions to buy their own stuff, right? So what, um, what, what do you say? I mean, how, how should a salesperson decide on it or should they?
1: Well, we certainly don't do that. We don't let the sales rep decide. We certainly welcome anything. And, and many of my sales reps have uh, sent recommendations our way. We have a team that does research Um, on technology, and we actually have a very, we have a pretty complex matrix on where we score the technology, and the categories that we have, and under each category are 10 questions that need answered, but one, integration and data sharing. We definitely need to research how is it, uh, how is, uh, how's, how's everything uh, utilized and automate and sync together, I should say, uh, most importantly. We look at the metrics and reporting that we can get out of Uh, the technology and how, again, it'll integrate. We look at the platform, we look at the complexity of implementation, of course, the features and functions, and we'll score and rate the different ones. Um, And then the ease of use, you know, how how user-friendly is it? We'll take a look at that. Um, And then the agile requirements to get it, you know, how do we we iterate on it? How easy is it to, what's it like to look like to improve what's their product roadmap look look like and we like to compare and contrast so so just because one company comes in and says hey we're you know we'll say okay then let's look at your competitors as well and then we'll you know we'll try to A B test if possible but we'll certainly score them against each other in the categories I mentioned and then the score spits out and then uh we decide as a
0: team which one we're gonna go with. Got it. So I think that's extremely valuable for anybody listening, watching um, you know, I've, I've heard teams where they'll empower a, a rep to go out and make a decision like this. And it just, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's okay for, to get advice, right. And, or to say, Hey, what, what have you seen? Maybe they go to a trade show or something. It's okay to bring ideas back, but empowering a salesperson who doesn't have the know-how Across making these kinds of decisions, they're they're complex. You know, you need to look at all those variables when you're making a complex decision.
1: They say, and I agree with this because I'm one. Salespeople are the easiest people to sell to. We get excited, we see that bright shiny object, and we go right after it. And we've learned probably through trial and error and through failing, failing forward. We've learned uh, with our experience that we need to have a more, uh, more of a methodology around. Uh, all of the requirements that we need to look into before we purchase. So we have a very methodical approach and and a very complex matrix that we use to make our decisions. Yeah,
0: Yeah, well, speaking of shiny objects, I'll share with folks one of those that I tried last week, and it's an automated voicemail drop. Now, I'm checking with my attorneys. I did it on a very small window because I need to make sure that it's TCPA compliant and that it meets the California robo-dial laws that just came out earlier this year. Um, but what I can tell you is, they've got an integration into CRM that if it moves from one stage in Salesforce to the next, it can automatically drop a voicemail. Or, so imagine customer success related items like we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. You know, something goes down and then a call from Bob automatically happens. Hey, this, and it's voicemail to voicemail, server to server. So Bob's never going to, the AI is not going to let Bob talk to the person. It's just going to show up as a voicemail. Hey, this is Bob again. I, um, it looks like you may have had an issue earlier. Uh, here's my cell phone in case you have any questions or I can help with anything. Like think of the level of automation. I looked at it as the mass voicemail drop. And that's what I tried was from a lead gen perspective. I signed an $18,000 deal as a result of 59 voicemails dropped. But then I started looking into the integrations and I was like, oh, wow, it does a lot more than just a mass voicemail drop.
1: Yeah. Great idea.
0: So pretty cool. Well, Hey, this has been exciting. Any, um, any last tips or thoughts as we head into the remainder of the year 2020? you know, what's your vision? Where's this going?
1: Yeah, I think some of the trends of 2020, I've already, actually, I I posted a, an article on this on LinkedIn. AI was number one. Intent data, we've already talked about that. I think intent data is certainly growing in a big part of B2B sales right now. Um, uh, you know, look, diver- developing your future leaders, make sure you're inclusive in that, right? Find those future women leaders, those other walks of life that may not be raising their hand, make sure that you're investing in them. That's a big passion of mine is developing the future leaders. Um, I do think texting, actually we're seeing uh, a big use cases in texting in some of our programs, especially if you're calling on small businesses that work remotely. So general contractors, for example, plumbers whatever, uh, the only way you're gonna be able to reach them, they prefer text. So I do think text, video, I'm a big fan of uh, dropping video uh, in your emails, and certainly opening the cameras during web conferencing uh, and web demos to uh, so put the face with the voice uh, so and a name. So those are some of the hot trends I see happening right now in, in B2B sales.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining today, Ben. Remember, there are attachments below. Download them. Check out the Sales Expert channel. Thanks for joining. We are out. Thank you.